Hey there, everyone, and welcome to episode 29 of Random Song Encounters. Yes, I'm your host, Gene Vincent, coming to you once again from our SoCal Desert Outpost. Beautiful day out here today. Uh, 72 degrees, not a cloud in the sky. A great day to be in Southern California, or at least out uh, in the desert area. And uh, just enjoying the great day and a great time to be uh, putting the podcast out for this week. Um, We're going to call this one Pretty Vacant. Um, You know, it's based on... We're just putting tunes together, ran across this one, and the premise of the song, as explained by the guy who wrote it, Glenn Matlock, uh, bass player for the, for the Sex Pistols for a period of time. Uh, he wrote it, he said, hey, it's kind of an anthem, uh, you know, kind of, uh, we don't know what we're doing, but we're going to do something. And that's <laughs> kind of the premise of our podcast here. We don't really know what we're doing, but uh, we're trying to we're trying to put something together here. We're working hard on it, and uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you're enjoying it. And uh, we're going to continue to evolve and get better. Uh, you know, we're coming to you. Uh, no editing. It's live. It's it's unedited. It's it's uh, whatever it is. It is whatever comes out of my mouth is what you're going to hear. Uh, so uh, you know. With that, we're flying by the seat of our pants, and we've, again, 29 weeks in, we've got an abundance of great tunes for you this week. Uh, We're almost to 400 songs that we've played. I think next week we'll pass the 400 song point that we've we've played on the podcast. We haven't repeated uh, one artist yet. Trying to go as long as we can, and I'm sure we can go much longer, but we'll see how it works out. In any case, on to segment one, let's get this thing rolling for this week. And we've got a tune to start off with from 1966 by the Blues Magoos. Here we go. See you on the other side.
Sit beside me in your way.
All right, segment one for you. Five great tunes to start off the show. Uh, we basically span about, I don't know, six decades there. 1966 all the way to 2017. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. Uh, we started off with the Blues Magoos uh, out of New York City. And their song, We Ain't Got Nothing Yet, from their 1966 debut LP, Psychedelic Lollipop. <laughs> they formed in 1964 and were originally called the Trench Coach. Trench Coats. Um, they changed their name um, to the Blues Magoos by 1965, but they had a different spelling for blues. I don't know where this came from, but they spelled blues, B-L-O-O-S. And then Magoo's like Mr. Magoo, if the, for those of you know who Mr. Magoo is. Uh, and then they finally uh, changed uh, to their current uh, you know, uh, name, Blues, as in singing the blues in 1966. Uh, they made a name for themselves, you know, playing gigs in New York City, specifically in the Greenwich Village clubs. And uh, as a result of, uh, you know, the vibe and, and the talk uh, around town from their live performances, they were able to get a record deal. Uh, this particular album, Psychedelic Lollipop, is, is, I guess, mentioned as one of the first three ever released to use the term psychedelic on the sleeve. One, the one other one that I you know off the top of my head is the 13th Floor Elevators uh, used psychedelic. Maybe they may have been the first one there, and there was another group uh, in between and that slips in my mind, but uh, one of the first three to use that term on a, a record sleeve. Uh, they split in 1968, four years later, due to disagreements within the band on you know where they were going to go musically, direction, um, and you know that was that. Uh, this particular song was their most popular and their highest ranking. It actually reached number five in the U.S. So there you go, Blues Magoos, starting off the show all the way back to 1966. After that, we heard a group called the Prime Movers out of L.A., uh, their song On the Trail, uh, from their 1985 second LP release, or second release, as it were, because this is a, an EP called, also called the Prime Movers. Uh, their front man, Steve Severs Ramsey, uh, fronted a, uh, started a, his own record label, Bird, Birdcage Records, as a vehicle to get the, their music uh, released uh, without having a record deal in place. So uh, they released a single and their first LP uh, off of the Birdcage label prior to being signed to a major deal. Uh, you know, being in L.A., uh, they became really very popular, uh, and they were mainstays on the the old L.A. club circuit, uh, on the strip and otherwise at, at places like Madame Wong's and the Troubadour and the Roxy and Club Lingerie. Some of you know all those places. Some of you have heard. I know you've heard of Troubadour and Roxy, but uh, maybe not the other two. But uh, if you've lived in L.A. and been on the strip and during that period of time, especially in the 80s and 90s. Uh, those those places were rocking. Uh, after a label dispute in 1986, they found themselves uh, unable to release new music. Um, they couldn't release it on their label. Uh, they wouldn't accept new music, and also they wouldn't let them out of their record deal. So they were kind of stuck with nothing going on. So in 1988, they came up with the idea to record new music under an assumed name. So they recruited some friends and 
entered what they call their own self-induced musical witness protection program, uh, out of which the band Dread Zeppelin was born. And some of you may have heard Dread Zeppelin before. They're, they they have a unique uh, take on on music, and uh, I guess they're you know they're pretty popular. I've never seen them, but I I, I know of them for sure. Uh, if you haven't heard of them. Um, they are most notably known for perform, as the name would would you know, lead you to believe. For they're known for performing Led Zeppelin covers in uh, a reggae style, and their lead vocalist is a 300-pound Elvis impersonator. So quite the quite the show uh, they put on. But they're, you know they're, they're still out there putting out music uh, as Dread Zeppelin and never look back uh, as a, from their days of the Prime Movers. That particular song, in, in particular, on the trail, you know, I was listening to, it and has a, has a real, uh, you know, kind of simple minds, uh, band kind of sound to it. So, uh, you know, great track. Uh, too bad uh, we lost them because of the record deal, but hey, Dread Zeppelin lives on. Uh, after that, we went to uh, "Lonely Days" by the Bee Gees. Uh, not their typical. Uh, style that uh, they're known for, you know, in the uh, disco dance days. Uh, this was early on in the in 1970, off their eighth LP, as it were, uh, called Two Years On." Uh, prior to the the dance days, um, Maurice Gibb Gibb did most of the vocals, uh, and, and they just had regular three part harmonies uh, without using uh, what became famous as the Barry Gibb Gibb falsetto, uh, which came on later in the 70s and 80s. And beyond, uh, they formed that way back in 1955 when they were just youngsters uh, in the UK. Uh, they were originally a group called the Rattlesnakes. They had they had uh, started in Australia, grew up in Australia, and then uh, uh, their parents relocated to the UK, and that's where they kind of started their story. Uh, as the story goes, uh, they were you know they were doing some. Performances and learning to, you know, three-part harmonies and so on and so forth, and they were asked to lip-sync to a record at a local movie theater, which it was they were doing on a regular basis with other uh, kid groups. On the way to the show, they dropped the record, the 78 recording that they were going to use, and it broke. So they had no choice to per but to perform the song live, and from that they got a lot of positive feedback and response to the performance, and decided to pursue a singing career from there. Uh, they relocated to Australia in 1958 and began performing to raise, you know, just raise money for spending and so on and so forth. Uh, and they were introduced to a, to a DJ guy named uh, Bill Good and uh, eventually changed their name to the Bee Gees after, you know, Bill Good and Barry Gibbs combined uh, mutual initials, BG and BG. So uh, they moved back to the UK, although in 67, uh, where they ended up, uh, they were frustrated by the lack of success they were seeing in Australia and decided to go back to the UK, uh, and where they thought uh, they could really uh, make it big. And as was the case, this was the first album by the brothers after Robin Gibb had temporarily left the group in 1969. They had a little falling out. Uh, on you know managerial uh, styles and so on and so forth, so uh, he left the group for a short period. I think he returned the same year. Uh, 
Maurice Gibb during that period of time, during, during the early early part of the you know 60s and 70s, sang all the songs or most of the songs, uh, and as he had done on most of their records, and then this one in particular, I think he sang most of the uh, most of the songs on this album. It wasn't in, as I mentioned until the dance music craze took over that Barry Gibb started assuming lead vocal parts with his falsetto voice. Uh, this particular song was their first to hit the top five in the U.S. And uh, Barry, by the way, is the only living member or, uh, of the brothers, and uh, he's still out there making music, put out an album in 2021. So um, there you have it, the Bee Gees, Lonely Days. After that, back to L.A. and a song called Dear Life from Beck. Uh, known as you know Beck Hansen, uh, but goes by Beck, uh, off his 2017 13th LP called Colors. Uh, he was uh, you know growing up in LA. Uh, his mother was uh, very artistic, and uh, he was influenced by LA's diverse music scene from hip hop to Latin to blues to folk. Uh, he used to perform, uh, got a little bit of start performing on city buses. And coffee houses, uh, with and ended up performing in coffee houses later with the band, and then moved to New York City for a short period, and before finally returned to L.A. Uh, got tired of being cold and being beaten up, as he as he as he said, uh, couldn't stand the winters, so came back to L.A., played anywhere he could. Finally, uh, met someone at one of his gigs who offered to help him uh, record demo tapes which in turn he, uh, he would record and then you'd pass him out at gigs or otherwise trying to get uh, you know, some uh, help in getting a, lay, uh, getting a, uh, a deal. Uh, he finally got some help some, from some boosters who had seen him perform and, and were high on him and uh, got assigned to a small independent label. And that resulted in the release of his first hit, you know, Loser, as a single. Uh, and the rest from there is history. He's gone on and released... 14 studio albums, the last being in 2019, and eight Grammys and in his career. Uh, I was actually able to catch him uh, most recently, a couple of years ago, 2022, at SoFi Stadium, you know, where he opened for Red Hot Chili Peppers. Um, you know, just a great act to see live as well. Uh, love Beck. He's got such a great catalog of music uh, all over the place, but a lot of great catchy tunes. Uh, this particular song, um, Dear Life is, is about uh, dealing with rough times in life and uh, saying, hey, <laughs> I give, I surrender. Someone show me what to do. So there you have it, Beck. And last but not least in that segment, we heard Adam Ant. Uh, Adam Ant without the ants, uh, solo uh, out of the UK. His song Miss Thing from his 1985 third solo LP called Viva La Rock. He uh, was born in Stuart Goddard, is his real name, uh, goes by Adam Ant. Uh, his first musical endeavor was a bass player in a band called Bazooka Joe. Uh, but he decided he wanted to do something totally different with a totally different persona, you know, you know after seeing the Sex Pistols perform in 1975, uh, who we'll talk about later, as a matter of fact. Um, he renamed himself Adam Ant as... <laughs> This is, a, this is a, okay. This is kind of wild, but okay. 
he wanted uh, he chose Adam as his first name because Adam was the first man, you know, and uh, so he picked that up, and then he chose Ant as his last name uh, because he knew that they would survive a nuclear explosion, so they were powerful. <laughs> yeah, Adam Ant. <laughs> uh, he rose, uh, as I mentioned. He came to fame in the, in the 80s, front man of uh, the Ants, uh, soon to be renamed Adam and the Ants. They were huge, huge, huge for three, year, three years or so, 1980 to 1982, uh, during the New Wave era. Uh, he's uh, actually out there still uh, making music in, in, as a solo artist. Uh, he's got 2024 tour dates scheduled, and uh, it's the west coast of the U.S. in April and May, so if you're an Adam Ant fan, check him out. He's coming on tour. Uh, and so there you have it. Segment one in the books. We're going to move to segment two. Oh, I would be remiss if I didn't wish everyone a happy Valentine's Day, as today is Valentine's Day. Uh, we were uh, uh, invited to attend a birthday party, actually, last weekend for three brothers, all born on Valentine's Day. So uh, uh, appreciate the invitation. Had a great time. And... Uh, but today is uh, Valentine, so uh, you know, enjoy yourself uh, and uh, and spend some time with your loved ones. And uh, hey, on the seven two, we're gonna start off with a song by a group called Died Pretty from 1991. So here we go.
says I lack empathy Thinks I'm a narcissist and I need gnarly therapy I'm sober, not even amphetamines This self-reflection makes my skin crawl like a centipede With a hundred legs, yeah, yeah, yeah In a hundred ways, yeah, yeah, yeah You Softly 
yeah, there's a toe tapper. You've got my number. Why don't you use it? The Undertones, an Irish band, offer their 1979 non-album single. One of two singles that they ever released uh, that weren't included on any album other than uh, subsequent compilations. But uh, great, great track. Don't know why they never included that one on an album because that was a, like I said, that's a, that'll get you moving and grooving. Uh, the Undertones formed in 1974. Uh, they were originally originally drawn to influences from punk and new wave genres. Uh, they started playing gigs around 1976 without a band named. Uh, frontman Fergal Sharkey was asked about the name of the band at one of the gigs uh, and quickly re- replied, they're the Hot Rods, which wasn't the case. And another gig after that, he was asked again, he said, we're Little Feet. Uh, both names were taken. He was just throwing stuff out there uh, <laughs> to get people off his back. Uh, they finally arrived at the, the name The Undertones, uh, which was suggested by their drummer at the time. And he happened to run across it in his high school history book and uh, you know, decided to throw it out there. The band took it, and off they went. Um, so there you go, The Undertones. Um, short-lived, but uh, great, great tracks there. Fergal Sharkey actually went on to have a, uh, a decent uh, solo career, had a number one hit at, at some point in time. I don't remember the name of it, but, uh, you know, there you go. Check them out. Good, good band. Uh, after that, or prior to that, we're going backwards. We heard a song called Inside Out by the Mighty Lemon Drops out of the UK off their 1988 second LP called World Without End. You know, they're, pre- they're right in the middle of that, you know, uh, 80s new wave pop kind of a thing. Uh, great little tune. Another little toe tapper there. Uh, they were originally called the Sherbert Monsters, which, you know, uh, I think they said they, they just threw it out there as a temporary name, maybe kind of just as a joke. But, hey, uh, it's in the history books. Uh, they formed in 1985 with a uh, psychedelia influenced sound uh, and they were often compared to Echo and the Bunnymen. Uh, they got their big break when their first single uh, called Like an Angel was picked up to be included in uh, uh, NME which is a big time uh, UK music magazine uh, included in their yearly C86 cassette release. So that was kind of their big break. They got uh, got a deal off of that, and off they took, and they and they took off. They issued five LPs between 1986 and 92 before breaking up. And this particular LP was the highest charting of uh, of the five that they released. There they go, Mighty Lemon Drops. Prior to that, we went all the way back to 1967, and a group called Country Joe and the Fish out of Berkeley, California. Their song "Not So Sweet Martha Lorraine." Uh, it's off their 1967 debut LP called Electric Music for the Mind and Body. Uh, they formed in 1965. Obviously, they sound like they are a psychedelic rock band, and they had a lot of influence over the San Francisco music scene at the time. And that those, that 19 midnight mid to late <laughs> spit that out mid to late 1960s era. Uh, much of their music. 
address counterculture issues such as anti-war protests, free love, recreational drug use, and so on and so forth. Um, they self-produced two EPs before getting a record deal in 1966. Uh, this particular song is their only national charting uh, uh, tune that uh, they put out. But they're most famously known uh, for their signature song, I Feel Like I'm Fixin' to Die, uh, which is one of the most recognizable protest songs of the era. Uh, it's, it's played at Woodstock. It's, it's famous from the, the Woodstock film and, uh, you know, just, just an, an anthem of the protest era. Uh, a lot of you may have heard of that coming from that if you've come from that kind of particular area or if, or you've studied anything about Woodstock. They broke up in 1970 after they uh, released an LP, had poor poor sales. It was their fifth LP actually, and uh, they kind of got worn out from the from touring and uh, weren't really motivated to do that anymore. So they uh, broke up, and that was the end of Country Joe and the Fish. Prior to that. We heard something pretty new from 2023, a group called Fiddler, Fiddler, F-I-D-L-A-R, out of L-A, and their song Centipede, uh, you know, off their, it's 2023 EP called That's Life, which was their eighth release and their fifth EP, and they had three uh, LPs that they put out as well. Um, <laughs> this is kind of amusing lyrics in this thing, which kind of reflects where they come from. Uh, talk about self-reflection makes my skin crawl like a centipede. Pretty cool. Formed around 2009, two founding members uh, got together. They were both working at the same record studio, and they started recording songs when the studio was closed and empty, and uh, they'd post the songs that they recorded online. And after three years of, of doing this, uh, their songs were being recognized, and they actually got a got a gig uh, and stepped on stage for the first time three years later. The group's name is an acronym uh, for Effort Dog, Life's a Risk, uh, which is a skate mantra that they picked up on. Uh, they're known for short, fast tunes about partying and narcotics, which... Uh, you know, which, uh, if that works for you, great. Uh, uh, they released two EPs in the last year, and they're still out there touring. So check them out, Fiddler. Um, prior to that, and to start off the segment, uh, we heard from an Australian group called Die Pretty, and their song, D Period, C Period, and its initials, uh, from their 1991 release, Doughboy Hollow, uh, which was their fourth LP. They founded in 83, 1983. Uh, they were formed uh, out of the ashes of a couple different bands that had broken up, and, and some of the, those members got together and, and put uh, died pretty together. And they and initially they kind of modeled, were trying to model themselves after bands like the Velvet Underground and Television and Suicide and uh, early kind of Bob Dylan electric, you know, kind of tunes and sounds. Uh, they put out seven LPs to their credit. Uh, between 91 and or in 2000 and disbanded in 2002 after one final uh, tour of Australia and uh, a three-track fare farewell single. Uh, this album itself, Doughboy Hollow, Hollow is, uh, you know, viewed as a creative peak, but it uh, didn't really get uh, any love out of the, 
of the press and, and, and didn't and was only able to crack the top 20 in the album charts. Uh, the song itself is about someone dying and, and having to come to terms with that. Uh, DC are actually the initials of the person that the uh, song is written for. So there you have it. Doughboy Hollow from Died Pretty. Great tune. And on to segment three we go. Starting off with a 1990 tune by Crowded House. Here we go.
there you have it. <laughs> the Sex Pistols. And we don't care. My favorite, favorite track from the Sex Pistols. But uh, before we get to that, let's go back to the beginning of the segment. We started off with Crowded House uh, out of Australia. Their song Fame Is off their 1991 LP, their third LP, called Woodface. They formed in 1985. Uh, Neil Finn and Paul Hester uh, got together to start a new band after the split of the uh, <laughs> big 80s group called the Split Ends, a lot of you may have heard of. Uh, and they uh, broke off after that split and started a group called the Malanes. Not sure where that comes from, but it was short-lived. They signed a record deal off of uh, you know their prior work from Split Ends and relocated to L.A. to start uh, their self-titled debut album called, called Crowded House. This one, this, the song doesn't come with this. Like, say, this is from the third LP, Woodface. Uh, the band name was changed to Crowded House at the record company's request. Uh, they just hated Malane's. Uh, and uh, the name came from uh, the small uh, Hollywood Hills home that they shared during the album's recording. So Crowded House, they were all hung, uh, living together and uh, there you have it. Uh, for this particular album, the first set of songs uh, that the band wrote uh, and submitted to the record company to put the album together were, were rejected. They, they hated them. They, they said, go back to the drawing board. So it just so happened that Neil Finn had been working on another project with his brother Tim Finn, also from, Crowded, from uh, Split Ends. Uh, they were going to release a, a Brothers Finn album. Uh, and, you know, they decided uh, to see if they could borrow or use some of the tracks from that uh, project for the, the next Crowded House LP. So uh, Neil and Finn got, Neil and Tim Finn got together. Neil asked if uh, Tim would mind if they used uh, some of the tracks. They used at least seven or eight tracks uh, uh, off the album. And then uh, Tim agreed. He said, hey, you can use them, but I need to be allowed to join the band. So Tim came came in, joined the band. They used the, they used the uh, brought in the uh, tracks that they uh, the Finn Brothers project, and the record company loved them, and off they went with uh, the Woodface LP. Uh, the band initially broke up in 1996, but resurfaced has resurfaced a couple of different times with uh, different uh, modified lineups. And uh, they released uh, new music as of as late as 2021, and uh, they toured in 2022 with this new lineup. Uh, I think it's got three of the original members, and then uh, two of Neil Finn's sons are actually in the group at this point in time. Uh, so there you have it. Crowded House, short-lived, great group, great tune. Uh, start off segment three. After that, we heard a group called The Teardrop Explodes out of the UK. Their song, Treason, off their 1980 debut LP called Kilimanjaro. They formed in a couple of years earlier in 1978 uh, after they had Julian Cope in particular had, was, was in several prior bands that failed to materialize for one reason or another uh, and uh, decided you know, to give it another try you know, with another band. And he came up, he was talking to a friend uh, at one point in time, and hey, he said, "Hey, I've got a name for a new band, Teardrop. How about Teardrop Explodes?" The friend Ricky Dwyer, who said, "Hey, sounds like uh, uh, something cool. I think you got something there." Uh, 
he had come up with a name. It was taken from a caption in a Marvel, uh, Marvel comic, uh, Daredevil. Some of you may have read. I'm not a big comic guy, but I, I've heard of Daredevil. I think there's a movie out there <laughs> as well, called, or two called Daredevils, or a remake or so. Uh, in any case, Rocky Dwyer didn't play an instrument, but hey, he said, hey, this is an opportunity here. So he took it serious enough that he learned to play the drums and uh, uh, joined the band. Uh, after signing the record deal, uh, they released three singles and then uh, embarked on recording uh, this as uh, this particular album, Kilimanjaro, as their debut. Uh, this tune was originally one of the three early singles that were released uh, that they also included on their uh, on their debut LP. Uh, although the band was short-lived, they only released three LPs, um, one of which was released uh, post-breakup. Uh, cobbled some stuff together and put out a, another LP after after the band had broke up. But uh, so they had really two official uh, LPs released. Uh, Julian Cope, frontman, went on to a nice solo career after that. Uh, and we t we've talked about him and played uh, uh, a tune in a prior episode. I think we played Charlotte Ann. Uh, so uh, he's still out there making music on his own. But you know, teardrop explodes. Uh, great band in their own right, although short-lived. After that, we went to 1968 and got a little R.B. Soul out there. Uh, the song 25 Miles from Edwin Starr out of Cleveland and the U.K. eventually. Uh, it's off his 1968 LP, second LP actually, called 25 Miles as well. Edwin started his career in 1957 as a doo-wop singer uh, in part as part of a group called the Future Tones, and he was 15 years old, uh, born Edwin Hatcher. He was convinced to change his name to Edwin Starr by a manager and uh, made his solo debut as Edwin Starr in 1965. Uh, he had several early hits uh, with his initial record label called Rick Tick Records. Um, Eventually, they were <laughs> the record label uh, was bought out by Motown, and uh, as part of the deal, Motown assumed all the all the acts that were uh, recording for Rick Tick at the time, which included Edwin Starr. So uh, uh, Edwin uh, became a member of Motown Group, and uh, this was uh, this in particular became Edwin's second biggest hit single. Of course, if you've heard Edwin, Edwin Starr. You know, his signature song and his biggest hit was a song called War, uh, you know, and at least in the U.S. I think he, he might have had some bigger hits in the U.K. where he was, uh, he actually had a, a bigger career than that in the U.S. Uh, but uh, like I say, War, what is it good for? <laughs> Absolutely nothing. Uh, the song itself... Uh, they had a little issue, legal issue, down the road with this particular song. They, they found uh, that it, it was very similar to its prior song called uh, 32 Miles Out of Waycross, which then became, uh, was recorded under a different name as well, called Mojo Mama. Uh, and the writers of the song were actually given uh, co-writing credit to... Uh, for this song, 25 Miles, as a result of that uh, legal proceeding. If you if you go back and, I, I don't know if you can find 35 Miles out of Waycross, but I know uh, Mojo Mama's out there, um, and you can find that, and if you listen to it, 
it is uh, strikingly similar to uh, to this particular tune. Uh, Edwin continued to record uh, into the early 90s, but uh, in 2003 he unfortunately passed away at the age of 61. So there you go, Edwin Starr. After that, we heard Susie of Susie Sue or and or Susie and the Banshees uh, out of the UK and her song Into a Swan uh, off her solo debut album from 2007 called Manta Ray. Uh, she was born Susie Ballion and uh, but as I mentioned she's known professionally as Susie Sue and most notably as the leader and the main lyricist of the band Susie and the Banshees who were huge for a 20-year period from the mid-70s to the mid-90s. They released 11 LPs, sorry. Uh, after that, uh, she joined in a, or she started and, and participated in another group called The Creatures from 1981 until 2003 and, uh, where they released an additional four LPs. And then after that, she uh, has continued as a solo artist uh, and uh, she released this particular LP and four singles to date, the last being in 2015. And she just returned to touring in 2023. I think she was in the uh, over here and on the west coast of the U.S. She uh, participated in the Cruel World Cruel World Festival last year in Pasadena. Um, this particular album, uh, Manta Ray, covers a multiple musical styles, and and she's said to have said, you know, this is kind of a life painting for her uh, from where she started writing music or lyrics at seven years old to now. So I think one of the tunes dates back to when she was just a, a child uh, as far as lyrically. So it runs the full gamut according to her. Uh, prior to starting her own, an, another little interesting tidbit, tidbit related to a band we're going to talk about next is uh, uh, prior to starting her own band in 1976, she was you know involved in the club scene and so on and so forth and she became a huge fan of the Sex Pistols uh, and was even a uh, in a group of regular followers or groupies, if you want to call them that, called the Bromley Contingent. Uh, they got some notoriety because because of that, and they they would follow them around to shows all over the place, France, and you know where they could get to in Europe. But uh, uh, you know, huge Sex Pistols fan. So there you have it, Susie. Uh, after that, and to close out the show, great great track. My I, I think I mentioned my favorite track from the Sex Pistols. Uh, the UK called Pretty Vacant uh, off their 1977 debut and soul LP that they ever released called Never Mind the Bollocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. Uh, they originally formed in 1972. The band was called The Strand. Uh, it, it, only included, it only included two of the original members, uh, Steve Jones and Paul Cook. Uh, they bounced around made, making music. Uh, and they were finally able to talk to uh, Malcolm McLaren, um, uh, and, and they got him to agree to take over as their manager in 1974. Uh, you know, they started putting the band together, or started making some music, and uh, the final addition to the group was, of course, John Lydon, or known as Johnny Rotten, uh, as the vocalist in 1975. Uh, their first collabora collaboration as a group in writing music and putting this out was this particular song, Pretty Vacant, written by Glenn Madlock, who was, uh, who was the bassist at the time. Uh, the song itself, I think I mentioned, it's kind of a primal scream type of a track, as, he, as, Paul, as, uh, as Glenn's mentioned. Uh, you know, they don't know 
what they're going to do, but they're going to do something anyway. Uh, he was the original bass player. He wrote the song, uh, but uh, left the group uh, after recording this one track, uh, and he was eventually replaced uh, uh, as part of the original recording by John Ritchie, also known as the infamous Sid Vicious. Um, you know, the Sex Pistols are just, you know, are huge. They, they lasted in just over two years, put out one LP, but became one of the most influential bands in music history. Uh, and they're credited with starting the punk move, movement in the UK. Uh, I was actually luckily, lucky enough to see them in concert uh, during a reunion tour they put together in 2003 in Las Vegas. Sid Vicious had long since passed away, but Glenn Madlock uh, returned uh, to and performed with as the original lineup of the Sex, Sex Pistols at the time. Great, great show. I, I, I really am happy that I was able to catch them, uh, even in a reunion. Uh, my wife wasn't so happy. She's not a big <laughs> punk fan, but uh, it was a great, great show, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, so there you have it. Episode 29, done deal, in the books, pretty vacant. Uh, we're going to close this one out. Here you go. As I mentioned, episode 29, Pretty Vacant in the books, following the ethos of Pretty Vacant, we don't know what we're doing here, but we're doing it anyway. <laughs> we appreciate you joining us in this journey uh, through the musical wonderland, and uh, hope you'll continue to do so. I know I'm having a great time bringing this to you, and I hope you're having fun as well as we continue our random adventure with random song encounters. So uh, with that, we're going to close this thing out and looking forward to coming to you again next week, episode 30, epic episode 30. So uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to share the good stuff. Bye for now. <laughs>